Sunday, May the 10th. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Good morning, dear friends. I trust all is well for you this morning. So, John chapter 4, the woman at Jacob's well. You know, one day Jesus was returning with his disciples up north, down in Jerusalem. He was becoming more noticed than he wanted to be just at that moment. So he headed back up to Galilee, where a lot of his work at that time was being done. The disciples, well, they'd wanted to go the long way around as usual, selectively socially distancing themselves like the plague from those wretched Samaritans. Going right through Samaria was like walking down Portman Road whilst wearing a green and yellow scarf. They knew they were superior, but they didn't want to take the risk. As is so often the case between siblings, near neighbours, compatible rivals, things often got out of hand between the Samaritans and the Jews. But Jesus, he'd had insisted on going the direct route. He had to go through Samaria, we read in verse 4. He must needs go that way, as the King James put it. He just knew there was a divine appointment waiting for him there. And they got as far as Sychar, as probably Shechem from the Old Testament and the city of Nablus in the West Bank today, almost about halfway really between Jerusalem and Galilee. You know, in 2019, there were only about 800 Samaritans left in the whole world, and about half of them still live around Jacob's well to this day. And while the disciples went off to the market, Jesus, tired, hungry, thirsty, waited by Jacob's well. Now, remember, Jesus was a hundred percent God. To come to earth, he laid aside his glory, but not his divinity. And he was a hundred percent man, not fifty-fifty. That's really, really important to know. Jesus, Son of God, great high priest, was tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet without sin. Jesus wasn't a perfect carpenter from the start. It's pure conjecture on my part, of course, but the first chair he made probably didn't sit properly on the ground. I think one leg was too short and it wobbled. He had to make some mistakes, in other words, to learn his craft. And sometimes he sneezed and coughed or snored, but today he was tired and hungry and thirsty. But still a 100% God. And he knew that the Father had arranged an important meeting for him today. He just knew. She'd hung back as usual, wanting to do whatever it took not to engage with the other women of the village. They all collected water from the well early in the morning, 
but by delaying and waiting until midday, she could fetch water without being taunted and despised for her immoral line of business. She was thrown a bit by seeing someone sitting by the well, but went ahead and drew some water out anyway. And then in verse 7 we read, Jesus said to her. And we should stop right there and talk about how the gospel of the kingdom of God crosses so many barriers. A man in his culture should never talk informally with a grown woman in public, not even his wife. And a Jewish man would not even talk with a Samaritan man. And additionally, she thought, if only he knew about my life and how I earned my living. Jesus said to her, in these four simple words, she hears, she sees and almost touches an encounter with Jesus, which tore apart all the proud and the arrogant and the hypocritical barriers and threw them down the well. A social barrier, a racial barrier, religious barrier, the moral barrier, all crushed at the feet of this merciful, kind and gracious man. Our tired, hungry and thirsty God. There is so much in this encounter, but we haven't got long this morning and many of you will know the story anyway. They talked about thirst and about water that becomes a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus then asked her to call her husband, and when she hesitated, with a word of knowledge, Jesus told her her own desperately ragged story back to her, clearly, firmly, but with eyes of such kindness. The women, the woman did what so many do when others get uncomfortably close. She tried to turn the conversation away from the personal and into some safe doctrinal cerebral debate and to look as dignified as she could with a bucket in her hand. I recall Peter doing something similar and I've often chuckled at his reaction to when Jesus was transfigured. When Jesus' face shone like the sun and his garments became as white as light and while Moses and Elijah appeared to them, for heaven's sake, surely Peter would fall on his face and lavishly worship God in the face of this little taste of heaven itself. <laughs> but no, rather than enjoying the glorious chaos, he suggests building them some sheds. <laughs> he was one of the wackier disciples, but at that moment even he looked awkward and odd and out of his depth and attempted to run back into his comfort zone of structure, order and correctness. The comfort zone that our Samaritan woman hid behind was to stir up the well-worn debate over the location of the chosen place where God should be worshipped. The Jews had said Jerusalem, the Samaritans said the nearby Mount Gezerim, Gerizim, I believe it's pronounced. This was the major issue between the Jews and the Samaritans and, I understand, remains a dividing point to this day. Well, actually, 
it's not here or there, replied Jesus. A time is coming when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. And he declared himself to be the Messiah. And she believed him and went back to tell the men of the village. Remember, the women weren't really speaking to her. And as a result, they urged Jesus and the disciples to spend a couple of more days with them before heading on to Galilee. And many believes, uh, and many people believed because of his words. Now, today Jesus sits at the well, gives opportunity to every one of us to personally sit with him, to encounter him, to drink, to everyone. Every gender, every race, every religion, every lifestyle, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. You don't have to change. You don't have to clean yourself up before coming to him. In fact, it's him who will do the changing and the cleaning up in you. You do the choosing, he will do the changing. Maybe you've come to get water today, but you're ashamed. So you've come alone, as it were, and deliberately late. You you carry a heavy load, a bucket of guilt and secrets. And yet you've convinced yourself that he will never know. And then the Holy Spirit speaks right into that very, very area of your life, a word of knowledge, as it were, describes it right back to you. Or, or maybe you already have dignity and you're determined to maintain it. But this makes you nervous about what he might ask of you. So even when you've been invited to draw near, emotionally, you've kept your distance. You're happy to engage with doctrine and express your views. You're willing to work hard on practical things like the maintenance of the church building, building a shed maybe, but talk about an encounter with God and springs of living water and things that are very personal. Well, hearing and seeing are okay, but please don't touch. Maybe you've been striving for wealth and fame in business, maybe, or in social media. But if you're honest with yourself, it's been like drinking seawater. And the more you drink, the thirstier you've become. Time to let go, to turn around, to cease the striving. Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But to those who drink the water that I give them, they will never thirst. But that will become in them like a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Or maybe you just feel you're missing out. Church online is great and today's selfies, you know, they're fun, but it's just not the same. You guess you'll get going again when proper church starts up. But right now, you just feel flat. You sing along with a song sometimes that you feel a bit self-conscious and would just assume look into the background to see what the worship leader's 
bookshelf is all about or to to read the chat that's being typed on the right hand of the screen which all of which is great by the way please keep it up but meanwhile Jesus waits patiently and he whispers to us once more online worship is precious to me as well you know It isn't in this church building or in that meeting format that we need to worship, but true worshippers worship the Father in spirit and in truth in whichever room of the house they were in and whether anyone else hears or not. These are the kind of worshippers that the Father seeks. Hasn't he created a million flowers on hillsides that no person will ever see? And doesn't he take as much delight in them? as he does the bride's eloquent bouquet. After a couple of days with Jesus, the people of Sychar had their own testimony. It was intimate, it was truthful, it was personal. They confessed, we no longer believe just because of what others have said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. I trust Dear friends, that's your testimony today, that you can personally confess, I have heard for myself, and I know that this man really is the saviour of the world. I'm so grateful to you, Alan, for helping me, helping us get into that story. I'm left wondering what comfort zone I hide behind, and where are the moments in my life when I choose to keep emotionally distant Uh, from Jesus. Those are the things that I'll be pressing into this coming week. What about you as you reflect on that story and how that woman and therefore how we encounter Jesus? Let's turn all that into prayer as we come to the end of our live stream. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for that invitation that Jesus gives to each one of us, that every one of us can meet him in the middle of the day that his gentle welcome is open to all of us. We ask that you would help us, the whole Burlington family this week, to enter in more fully to that conversation, that meeting, that encounter with Jesus. We thank you for each one of us as we've seen each other on the screen today and uh, and others besides. We remember our whole family and we pray your blessing and protection on each one. And we also remember your command to pray for those in authority over us. So we pray for uh, Tom Hunt, our MP, and we pray for Boris Johnson, our Prime Minister. And we pray for our government and all those in authority over us at this crucial time in this particular season. We pray that you would give people wisdom and insight in the decisions that they make around lockdown, around the uh, reconnection of society in the weeks and months ahead. So we pray for them and we pray for us at this time. And we continue to pray for all those who are working across our town, for those in the NHS, for those in the emergency services, for those in education, for those in local government. And we ask in the name of Jesus that they will do good and that their good would be multiplied for the blessing of all. 
And so we thank you for this day, for this moment, for your presence with us now in our homes, wherever we are. And that confidence that your presence brings to us, that we are today in your strong grip. We thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.